Welcome to the Loco Podcast by Locomotion Fitness, where our coaching team covers all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and recovery-related in beautiful Charleston, South Carolina. What is up, guys? We are back this week, uh, our third installment since we have restarted the Loco podcast. Uh, and today I am here with Coach Amber and new Coach Pat. Uh, and we are going to talk about corrective exercise today. This is something that I think a lot of you guys don't realize what we do. And honestly, I'm not super familiar with it either. This is not a world that I grew up in. Um, and it's not something that... I, I really knew much about until Amber came here and started working with some people and, and the feedback that we got from it from like people like Jim was absolutely incredible. Uh, and I knew that this is something that we wanted to carry forward and open up to some other folks that are here. Um, and so we're just going to dive in. Before we do that, why don't you guys just introduce yourselves, say hi, um, tell me who you are, what you do for Loco. We'll go from there. Hi team. I think y'all know who I am and what I do here, but let me just recap. So I'm definitely the cycle program manager here and I'm lead of sales, but I also am a group uh, coach and a personal trainer. So I carry many hats in the club and I enjoy every moment of it. I kind of see myself more as more as a, a more of a mindset coach. Uh, eventually in the future, hopefully we see more things along those lines as well. Um, but that's what I do here awesome. at Loco. Thanks, Amber. And Pat, how about you, brother? So, uh, my name is Pat. I'm a new here, like Jay said. I'm a coach and personal trainer and general meathead. <laughs> Just the opposite of Amber. <laughs> <laughs> like picking things up and placing them down gently on the floor. Me too! <laughs> Although sometimes, sometimes not, so not gently. as gently. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thanks for being here, guys. I appreciate it. All right, so one of you, tell me what is corrective exercise? What does it do? What's the point of it? Who, who would it be for? Just talk to me a little bit about it. Yeah. So the, the clinical definition of corrective exercise is exploring strategic plan. So you're getting a strategic plan in regards to muscular imbalances. Uh, muscular imbalances could be where a particular mover within the subsystem is taking over a job that another muscle is supposed to initiate. For instance, exampled would be your gluteus maximus. And uh, the glute is a large muscle group that controls pretty much everything mm -hmm. in regards to your hips and everything else. The problem is your glute med. So glute med is a small muscle that surrounds the hip and, it, and attaches, and that muscle tends to not activate or neurologically fire, we say. When that doesn't happen, other muscles such as like the TFL, which is the hip flexor, or piriformis is another common one. They tend to take over the movement pattern, such as your hinge when you sit down or drive in a car. Uh, when that happens, and that happens over a period of time, you end up having symptoms. And this could be anywhere from piriformis syndrome to SI joint pain to low back pain. A whole bunch of issues can occur from a muscular imbalance. And then I'll let Pat take over from there. And to kind of tech... Onto that, Jay, you said who is corrective exercise for. I think most people have one of those symptoms that you're talking about, like low back pain, stiffness, stuff like that. Just because your muscles aren't firing appropriately. Most of the time we spend a lot of time 
seated at work nowadays. Most of the time, back when most people's jobs were manual labor, people would have like sore knees and stuff. Now we have sore backs because we're not doing any manual labor or, or exercise or anything. We've become so stagnant, things just tend to lock up and create weaknesses yeah i mean that's and that's a big one we're sitting all day our core muscles get excessively weak and then our backs are what's paying the price for that and the stat is 85 percent 85 percent of adults i believe this is a u.s stat 85 percent of adults in the united states will have chronic back pain at some point in their life that doesn't mean it's going to stay for their whole life but at some point, it will be an ongoing issue, 85% of people. And so, you know, if you extrapolate that out to our membership, that means that 240 of you, of the 300 of you, at some point are going to be dealing with these issues. And that's, that's looking at people that exercise, too. So it's not just completely still people that just, you know, work, sit in their car and go home and sit on the couch. Like, these people are also going to the gym all the time, but the gym time is not counterbalancing the sedentary lifestyle or it's just not enough to counterbalance you're not doing the right things yeah so let's talk about that like what why doesn't coming to the gym solve these problems right like why can i not just come to a crossfit class or a boot camp class and mindfully move right but it's still not getting any better what why is that well much like if you went to a doctor the doctor would sit you down and would examine Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can't just like hear what you're saying and give you a diagnosis without a proper examination. You tell him, hey, my throat hurts, but he never looks down your throat. He's just guessing. So this is why you can't just come to class and, and expect, okay, I'm coming to class, I'm working out, I'm strengthening myself, and expect to get a personalized, strategic, specific plan in regards to corrective exercise. So what corrective exercise trainers do is they diagnose. So not that we uh, practice out of scope of practice, per se, but we come up, like I said, with the overhead squat assessment, Pat. Mm -hmm. We use that as a tool to distinguish, hey, what players on the field are taking over? Is my third baseman playing first when he should be at third? And that can only be done by, a, a, again, an assessment. I love that analogy. That is, is the third baseman <laughs> playing first. That's perfect. And Pat, like what? So obviously they've got to come in. We've got to take a look. We've got to diagnose and plan. How are the exercises that you're doing with those people maybe different from like a compound movement exercise that we're doing in the gym, like a squat or a deadlift? Sure. So if you're doing things like, uh, I don't know, a big one is wall angels for people with upper cross syndrome where they're kind of tilted forward, like have that text neck. Yeah, forward where head. Yeah, the forward head. I like to, people can't see what I'm doing unless you're on YouTube. <laughs> when you're up against the wall and trying to get that external rotation in the shoulders and, and back and forth. So Pat's arms are up like yeah. almost in like a field goal shape with yeah. like the Scored back of his elbow, his wrists and like his entire back on a wall if you can picture that mm-hmm. and then moving those arms up and down. Yeah, and stuff that's going to help out that forward head posture, things like face pulls or something just is a really easy one. Like I don't care what your one rep max is for a face pull. This is more like trying to re-groove a pattern that's wrong. Like the screen door analogy is my favorite for this. If you, you know, if you've ever had a, a door that's on a track, like you slide it open and it starts like kind of wobbling mm-hmm. and it's not on the track anymore, 
And you're like, all right, I'll just spray WD-40 on it. That should fix it. And it's still off the track, but now it's just slippery (laughs) off the track. (laughs) Like certain, you know, stretches and that's like taking Ed said pain relievers Mm -hmm. and just doing, you know, just resting. Mm -hmm. That fixes the problem maybe that second, but doesn't correct the problem overall. So we're trying to regroove this pattern of bad movement. And a lot of times the the like going heavy right doing stuff like a in the one rep three rep five rep range even and like a squat or a deadlift a big compound movement that's actually going to exacerbate the issues because the big mover is taking over even more right the muscle that's turned on is going to do more of the work and get stronger and do the job of the muscles that are turned off, which are going to continue to get weaker. So if you come in and you're squatting heavy and not ever addressing any of these weaknesses in these smaller muscles, it's going to compound and compound and compound. You're actually doing more damage than you are good. Yeah. Is that, yeah, is that I, sure? I would totally agree with that. I think that looking at it more in a, in a, in a bird's eye view, if you come out with corrective exercise, I always say it's not very sexy. It's not sexy. It's not something that people like say, yes, let me do a quadruped. Let me get down and do these bird dogs. But here's the thing. If you're dealing with neurological, it's not, if you're not getting neural drive, which neural drive is when the CNS system or your brain sends signals down to your muscular activity. That is a given in any action you're doing in the gym. So I don't care if you're squatting, you're deadlifting, whatever. There has to be a communication from your brain down to the muscular system. That's the first initiation. The, the, the idea behind strategic plans with corrective exercise is really the brain is boss. The brain is boss, and that's where we move from. We move, okay, why is this person moving in this pattern? What are they doing in the day? We even examine, well, what are you doing at night? You know, what kind of pillow are you using? Or what, what's your sleep habits like? We need to know these things. We need to know, like, are you uh, a slide sleeper? Are you sleeping on your stomach? So a lot of times getting to know the person and their personal habits when they're not in the gym, really that's where they need fixing. It's not necessarily the movements they come in the gym for. It's actually them driving their car, like Pat said, or behind the computer guests, or let's talk about really, really crampy hands or crampy thumbs from your text fingers. And there, and there really is something called text fingers. Like you can actually get that. You can get carpal tunnel from if you're a hairdresser and you're moving your hands um, in, your, in your job, or let's say you're a laborer, you have frozen shoulder syndrome. All of these things are pattern overloads. They're, they're distinguished by what you're doing outside the gym, and then us trying to come up with a plan, like how do we support what you're doing daily in your movement patterns? And once your brain shuts those muscles down, it's it takes dedicated and focused effort to get that signal to turn back on. So like a very quick, easy drill you can do right now is take off your shoes and socks and put your foot flat on the floor and try and lift one toe at a time, big toe down to pinky toe. Now that is something that all of us should be able to do. We should have that control, but because our feet are slammed into shoes all day long, we, you, we lose that signal, right? It's not that that muscle doesn't exist to move your toe. It's that your brain doesn't understand how to communicate. And that, especially like for me, my pinky toe just doesn't move unless I stare at it for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and that's the thing that we're talking about. And that's also what's behind the reason for really, really fast adaptations when you first start training, right? So if I've got somebody that is brand new to training, I might be able to up their one rep max 
a hundred pounds in two months. Newbie gains. Yeah. Now, did 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 does that mean that they've added that much muscle tissue in two months that they're able to do that? Hell no. That is not what happened. What happened is the signal that your brain is sending to your body is much stronger. And when you were recruiting initially 25% of the muscle fiber that's there, now you're able to recruit 50% of that muscle fiber and the contract the contraction is much stronger, right? And, and sort of that is what we're talking about fixing or, or replacing there. What are some of the, so like you mentioned PFS and either of you guys mm-hmm. can take this, like what are some of the common things that you would work on and, and like not just the condition, but the symptoms. So like, what is PFS? What is piriformis syndrome? How does it manifest? What might you do to fix that? Piriformis system is a pain in your ass. Aspirin, <laughs> ask whatever you want to call it. But um, nine times out of 10, I probably could take 80% of the population performance-based, non-performance-based beginner. I could sit them on a foam roller, do some SMR, which is self mysofascial release. I could target piriformis alone and I guarantee you that you will feel something and that's what we're after we're after a 30 30 to 90 second sensation where we're not grinding on it and you probably have heard people say well I gotta roll this muscle out or I got these knots I gotta dig in yes I understand that but that's not what we're doing here what we're doing here is that we are training behavior we are training patterns what we want to do is we want to take the piriformis, we want to send a signal to the brain, which is your goglian tendon organ that sits in your brain. While we're sitting on the foam roller, nice and gently, we just give the, the brain, that organ, time to send the signal. The muscle then releases. It releases. And when it releases, it, it's at its optimal length. So that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with length tension relationships. The piriformis is directly related to your gait, right? So you use your piriformis as your foot strikes on the ground. Your your femur is going to turn inward, in and out like this all day. Your piriformis has been used almost, I would say, 100% of your entire day unless you're sleeping. And even then we could beg to argue if you sleep on your side, it's inactivity, right? So you're dealing with movement patterns that are over 2000, Jay, these movement patterns are done over, over time. So piriformis syndrome is just a link tension relationship where we are overusing that piriformis muscle. And sometimes it also can be because the piriformis is weak, right? So then that changes your brain altogether. Well, and then sometimes we have asymmetries with it. We've got one piriformis that's too long or weak and it's not active or one piriformis that's too tight. So how do you find that out? How do you know what the root is? You don't until you start getting all the information, getting the strategic plan, getting the history. Injury history tells a lot, right? When you say, Pat? Oh, yeah. And I'll let you take it from injury history. And most people don't, I guess, aren't aware of their injury history because when we're, you know, during our interviews for new personal training clients, we're like, "Uh, any injuries in the past? Like, no. And then, like, okay. Uh, any shoulder injuries? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it pops when I reach overhead. <laughs> okay, how's your back? Eh, it's fine. It hurts. <laughs> okay. All right. So it, even because we, we live our lives in these bodies, and we just get very used to things. Our bodies are incredibly adaptable and are, you know, make the best of the situation, so to speak. So we, again, just groove these patterns over and over, and... 
that has a huge problem, you know, if there's something wrong. If the pattern is awry, like you said, if there's an inbound, especially in the, the lumbo-pelvic hip area, if there's an asymmetry between, you know, the length of muscles or even if you have, like, an actual clinical problem, like a leg length thing, then you're going to see a huge, huge issue. But it's not, like, it's not fixable. We just have to, like Amber's talking about, um, things like the self myofascial release or just stretching that's sending a signal to relax and then we need to send an opposing signal usually on the opposite side of the body to now contract and strengthen that side like a lot of times we'll stick with the the hips since we're seated we have these this kind of shutting off of the glute complex and then this tightening of your hip flexors the front of your the front of your upper thigh and then when you go to stand up, your body doesn't want to stay like bent over at a 90 degree angle, like because the, the hip flexors are tight. So we just, we stand up to the best of our ability and do that kind of like Instagram model butt thing. And you're just like, oh man, Paul looks great. <laughs> and then you're just walking around in constant pain and you don't know why, but yeah. butt looks yeah. good. There you go. So we need to fix things. It's all about like, this is all very central nervous system based. And I think that's the, I guess most of weightlifting is you just don't mm-hmm. think about it. You just think about your, you know, adding weight to a bar, doing more reps of a certain exercise. And that is also, you know, hypertrophy and strength gains are also very central nervous system based. So if you can train your body the right way, like with these corrective exercises, you can also better those things and once you start getting a body that moves a little better and you're more connected to it you have this better like mind muscle connection you can do almost everything athletic performance better and and like we're talking about these patterns are patterns that are showing up in life right and so everybody if we if we think about getting steps right everybody shoots for their 10,000 steps in a day now Imagine that your hip is even a little bit out of alignment and you are then walking on it, shifting your weight back and forth 10,000 times over the course of a day. Imagine if you did 10,000 squats and your hip only went to the left side and the bottom 10,000 times. Think about what that would do to how you were feeling the next day. And ultimately that's what we're talking about. It's the same pattern 10,000 times in a day. And if it's a little bit off, that's going to lead to a very, very big difference. Absolutely. I think that it's overlooked in, in the industry itself sometimes because we wait till it's too late. We wait until we have to now see a physical therapist, which I'm going to give a huge shout out to Nate at Be Better Performance. I love his strategy. He, he is a, more in alignment with same thing that we do as well, which you, you can't just, yes, we do want to get the joint moving, but sometimes if you go to certain areas, and not speaking against all physical therapy offices, but they don't give you a plan, unlike Be Better Performance PT, what to do after, right? So that's your corrective exercise specialist. If you can get ahead of the game and not have a frozen shoulder or not get diagnosed with piriformis syndrome, and we get it ahead of time, or have, uh, what's other injuries that you've seen, Pat, from this? Um a lot of like knee stuff and yeah 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 and knee stuff is almost never actually knee stuff it's again it's all right usually the hips or the ankles and the the feet are a super neglected part of this too Mm -hmm. like 
Jay was talking about, we walk around with essentially casts on our feet mm-hmm. all day, and your feet are cramped, not allowed to, you know, express themselves, and frozen shoulder's huge. That's huge. It's not even frozen shoulder, but just, like, reach overhead, and people are like, yeah, cool, and they're reaching <laughs> straight out in front of them. Like, this, this is all I got. It's no mobility. Yeah, yeah. it's, yeah, it's a, a lack of the ability to express all these joints. Like, your shoulder should be able to... Almost do a 360, yeah. you know, on both sides, in both directions. And most people can't do that. So let's go into that. Let's make that the, the sort of, let's finish there, is what would be somebody that would be a good candidate for corrective versus somebody that maybe needs to go see Nate at, or, or a, a physical therapist of their choosing? Like, where is the line there, you know? Like, where should people think about coming to you versus going to a PT? That's an excellent question. So when I'm looking at a client and I'm looking at their injury history and they are experiencing a pain that's above an eight, in my opinion, depending on what I see and depending on where the pain is, that would be the case of a referral. Anytime we're in eight level pain, there's an injury. They're, they're in a cumulative injury cycle, that's what we call it. I mean, he's already injured and they're bashing on it more, right? So that, that would be a red flag for me. I don't know about you, Pat, but for me, that's a red flag. If it's in a, it, mainly in the lower lumbar region mm-hmm. and it's like extreme, I can't sleep, or if I physically am limping, like I physically cannot straighten my leg, that's when it becomes, we're way beyond corrective at that point. They actually are in an injury, could be a strain or a tear. Mm-hmm. And we do not deal with tears. We do not deal with strains like that. Anytime where a physical therapist would come in, it would be in that case, a broken broken bone, uh, another case that we wouldn't deal with. So basically yeah. like if people are starting injury. to feel, if they're starting to feel something, if it's early in the cycle, but they recognize like, hey, something feels off a little that's bit, us. Yeah. that's yes. the time to yeah. get that's to correct it, yes. right? Yes. Acute injuries, Acute like injuries, tearing something tearing, or getting in an yeah. accident, that's Different. that's people with that start with doctor so-and-so. Doctor, right. yeah. then yeah. PT. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and what's great about corrective exercise and why it's good for everyone, Jay, because I know you asked that question, who is it for? And to be honest, it's for the 90-year-old. It's down to the performance athlete that's 15. Yeah. It's, and to be honest, I've, I actually corrective exercise a lot of youth, a lot of young baseball players. Probably the um, best time to do it. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, when joints are at their, they call them jelly joints because the growth plates haven't fixed yet, that's neurologically so much where I've worked with a young baseball player. Early on, I did three years with him, and I guarantee I saved his arm. I guarantee gave him warm-up specific. Because remember, this deal is specific. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and, it's, and if you're dealing with growth plate issues and things like that. So again, it's preventative medicine. Yeah. So anytime that we're not in an acute injury and we're not in major pain and we're not seeing doctor, anyone can have corrective exercise. And it could, it could be such a good warm-up for your yes. normal... You know, workout Great routine too. Yeah, yeah. It's, and connecting to those muscles and kind of priming the engine, getting ready to go. It's really, really good for that. And I'll I'll finish with one of my. You guys have, if you're a member at Loco, you've probably heard me say this before. I say it often. It's one of my favorite sayings. I jacked it from Kelly Starrett, who is now the Ready State, formerly Mobility Wad. Don't wait until your engine blows up to change your oil. Right. If you think about your body. 
and you have this nagging issue and for whatever reason, healthcare is set up this way in the United States and it gets into our brain. We're just like, ah, oh, it's fine. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it until we cannot deal with it anymore. And that is the equivalent because something breaks, right? Something blows up and then it's a catastrophic issue. We're out of the gym for two months. We've got to have surgery. It's this giant thing that is literally, and that's your body of which you have one of. And then we take a look at our cars where like the warning light comes on and it, maybe it's a new car, one that you love. And you go out and you get it taken care of right away, right? But in this world, that same analogy would be that warning light comes on, you ignore it, you don't do anything, and you keep driving that car, the change oil light comes on until the engine freaking explodes and you have to get a new car. That is what we're talking about in taking care of yourself before we get to that point. Do not wait until the engine blows up to change your oil. Thank you guys for being here with me. I appreciate it. Loco fam, thank you for listening. I hope you found some value there. If you want any more information on corrective, please reach out to Amber, reach out to Pat, to myself, reach out to our customer service number. More than happy to, to sit down with you and see if it would be a good fit for you guys. Uh, everyone else, thank you for listening and we will talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye guys. Thanks for listening to the Loco Podcast, where our goal is to turn you into a kick-ass 90-year-old and help you do lots of cool stuff along the way. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. When you're ready for your individualized fitness and nutrition prescription, head on over to locomotionfit.com and click the free intro button to learn more.